Welcome to the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. My name is Andre Chin, broker owner, real estate investor, mega agent, and real estate coach. We're going to be tackling all things real estate, bringing you guests from all across North America, mega agents, mega teams, and we're going to be diving deep into their businesses to figure out how they got to where they are and how they consistently bring that hustle into their business every single day. Buckle up, our podcast starts now. All right, everyone, Andre Chin here with the Real Estate Hustle podcast. We are back with another episode. Great realtor, Ryan Smith with us today. I'm so excited to chat with you and to hear how you're building this incredible business. Ryan, welcome. Ah, thanks for having me. So yeah, I'm uh, Ryan Smith. I'm the founder of Launcher Farm uh, Program. So I do a podcast for real estate agents, teaching agents how to grow their geographic farm and really just sharing the love about geographic farming. So for me, I've been in the business for 13, almost 13 years now. And I've tried basically everything you can think of. And I kept coming back to geographic farming and, and why it works and why, how important it is for agents to really understand the fundamentals of farming. And so for me, it's just been a kind of a, a love just kind of pulled into this project. So yeah, I, I basically interview agents and professionals and help them share their message with, with, my audience on how they do their geographic farming and yeah that's basically what I do I, that's awesome well, well I mean let's start with some of the some of the good right I mean I, I farm before and I'll share some of my <laughs> stories as we get through this but um you know where are you at in terms of of production how, how is your farm working and you know share with our listeners kind of how you got to the point you're at today Sure. So I'm actually not even in production really now anymore I start once I started this project I I used my uh my farming skills as a test as a guinea pig a couple number of years ago to kind of get it going so I was a productivity coach and I was coaching other agents and then I said well this is ridiculous I'm teaching other agents how to do this I'm going to try it on my own so when I started my farm uh, I basically had just moved to the area didn't know anyone there was no real experience in the area I selected my farm we went after it and uh, never sold a home in the neighborhood. And then we, after my first listing, we ended up getting 17 transactions in 15 months from, from that farm. So we just kind of went all in and from no, no sales in the area to becoming the, the neighborhood expert in a, wow. in a very short time. And, and I think I heard you say you're out of production now. So, so who's doing the farm? Who's managing it? Is No one now for me. So I actually put that on, on hold. So I had a business partner at the time and uh, we split off ways. He kept the farm. I kept the other side of the business. And then I was in a relationship. We went our separate ways again. And then, so basically I've been focusing on the, on this for the last year and really doing that. Well, and, and, you know, it's, it's so funny because real estate has a, has a way of taking you in, in so many different directions. Yeah. And I promised I'd share my farm story. So yeah. um, I, I built a geographic farm. I think me and my former business partner, we were maybe two years in the business and, and like most agents, two years in the business, we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. Like, you, know, you think you've got it figured out and you have no idea. And, and we were riding the roller coaster that everybody normally rides. And, um, you know, we, we hear about this geographic farm. And so I'm living in this neighborhood and I actually meet an agent, um, guy who's long retired now. His name, his name was Hugh Barclay. He was with another company. Um, we were at Remax together and he said, you know, I've got this system, Andre, and it works. And I'm like, man, I don't know. And he goes, just trust me. And, and he kind of became my first mentor in, in real estate. And, you know, he says, Andre, just, just trust me. So he creates this, this website and, and gets these postcards and all this stuff. And, and he's telling me it works. And I, you know, being my age at the time, you know, I'm, I'm in my late twenties and I'm thinking there's no way, there's no way. 
And so we implement this farm system and the leads start coming in and I start dropping, you know, door knocks and, and popping into the farm and doing all this stuff. And I, I actually got a little creative with it as well and, and did some unique things with our signage and that sort of stuff. And for the first six months, nothing. I just, just beat my head against the wall. This sucks. This is never going to work. It's like instant gratification, right? We all want that right away. And then, um, and then we take our first listing. And similarly to your story, it's, you know, the first listing kind of starts and you get that sign up and you start feeling really good. And then we take another listing and another listing and another listing. We've got this database that's growing and these people that are calling and, you know, we start to become the specialists in this neighborhood. And it, it got us so busy that we just stopped doing it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly <laughs> prototypical fashion, you know, yeah. you do something until it works and you just, you just kind of give up. And I think we ended up doing 12 deals out of it in like an eight month period. Um, you know, and it just kind of blew up. And so geographic farms work, they work really, really well. I think, I think a big piece of the, the problem is, um, consistency. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. And so, you know, as, as real estate agents are kind of listening to this stuff and trying to figure out, you know, Hey, do I want to farm? I think everyone should have a farm. I that's totally kind agree. of my take, right? Yep. Um, and, and maybe even farm where you live. That's the easy place to, to kind of do it. So that's one, I, I, it's, it's a myth I like to bust. You can farm where you live. I'd, I would say it may not be the best choice to farm. It may be the best choice, but it may not be the best choice just because of a number of factors depending on price points, turnover rates, and all the different things that kind of go into it. But if you're just getting started and you're trying to work in your backyard, it's a, it's a fantastic way to do, to do the business. So yeah, I think what you mentioned was that the consistency is, is critical and that's where most agents drop the ball. And I think a lot of agents get into it and you see them fail at that six month mark. Exactly. Like you said, you didn't get anything for six months. They don't see the results for, for a number of months and then they give up. They go, oh, this isn't worth it. It's I'm not going to stick with it. And then they pull back and then, and they quit. And it's literally like that the analogy where the, the miners digging for, for gold and they're six feet from gold. Yeah. They're literally just on that cusp of, of breaking through and then people stop. And if you do stop, people start losing respect for you or they don't really resonate with you. And if you stop doing that, it's, it stops. So it's something you have to be consistent with. You have to be committed to, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a long-term game. And I've, I've talked to a number of agents through my coaching and training. And a lot of them said, well, I, I, I try, I've tried farming at different times and they jump in and they jump out and they jump in and they jump out. And you, you can't do that. Like it's, that's what the whole farm is about. Like if a, a true farmer and, and real world planted seeds whenever and then came back and hoped they grew you're not going to have a good crop right well and, and i'm glad you said that right i mean i always find myself wanting to kind of go back to the mindset piece of things and we always talk about mindset and how big a part it plays and, and i know that a lot of realtors it, it's like a running joke with the show now and it's kind of become this thing and and this side of me we've got the the hustle poster up and, and we always talk about that's kind of why we get there right is yeah. you know you come into the industry and you have this sort of rose colored glasses on and, and everything's great. And my phone's going to ring and, and everyone I know wants me and they love me and I'm going to get, you know, my brand new BMW 330i and life is going to be great. And they come in and it's like day one, it's like, Oh my God, I think I made a mistake. <laughs> and, yeah. and so we just talk about that, that mindset. And so knowing that farming sort of a longer play, how do you keep your head sort of in that game? So, so that you, like you said, you don't become that miner that's six feet away from making it rich um, and you give up and, and take the shovels home. Yeah, there's, there's a number of things I think that's important to, to, to consider when you're doing that. I think the first is starting with the right budget in mind okay. and having a budget set aside. So 
I would say budget for a year at a minimum at a year. A lot of agents get in, they go, I've got a lump of cash. I'm going to throw it in there. And then they try to go too big. Then they think that they're going to get a deal right out of the gate. And then they're going to fund it with that. The reality is you should set aside a year's budget. So I'd rather see someone go smaller, do less homes, less stuff to more stuff to less people, sorry, than, than more, more stuff to less people. So you right. want to have, or sorry, less stuff to more people. So you want to be able to make sure that you've got the budget set aside. Time budget is another one that I always talk about. It's not just money budget, it's time budget. And you've got to make sure you've got the time to service that farm, you, to, to, to do the activities you're going to do to succeed. And the other one I talk about is the energy budget. So like you said, the mindset is not just the time and money. It's, am I going to like doing this? Am I going to enjoy doing this? Am I going to continue doing this for two, three, four years and be committed to this? If, if I hate cold calling and there are agents who can't stand cold calling and there's agents who love it. If I hate cold calling and I make that the backbone of what I'm doing my farm, I'm going to give up way quicker than someone who thrives on that. So having that right energy budget and going, okay, this is what I'm going to commit to really helps set the pace. I have a, a friend, I share his story all the time. My friend, Adam, he started in a little farm. It was 250 homes, I think 280 homes, something like that. And everyone was laughing at him like, that's, that's way too small. And so his thought was, I'm going to set aside a hundred bucks a month that if a, in a year from now, if I lose it all, don't get anything from it, it was worth a shot and I'll try it out. So right. he had 1200 bucks and he blitzed that little neighborhood. He ended up getting eight sales out of, I think it was 11 sales in right. one year because he just hit it and 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 stayed small. So for him, it was a lot easier to, to stay focused. Right. The mistake that most agents make is they go, wow, I'm going to try to reach more people bigger. And they go 10,000 homes to five neighborhoods. And then that's when they get discouraged. Things don't start coming together. They don't, they aren't seen as that expert. And the minute you get that expert status in your mind, the easier it is. So right. I always tell agents to, to really help position yourself as an expert. So when we started our farm, we branded ourselves as the Orchard Real Estate Team. Rather than Ryan Smith, it was the Orchard Real Estate Team. And we got our first listing in January. We started in September. We put our plan into place. January, we got our first listing. And the client said, well, you guys are the experts, so you, you, you tell me what I should do. The reality is we'd never sold a home in the neighborhood before, had no experience other than just what we were doing. But because we positioned ourselves as the expert, it was easy to do that. The next listing came off of that listing. You're the experts, and then it just kept rolling. So I think positioning, uh, changing the mindset around being the expert is a lot easier than just trying to brand yourself as the right you. So it's really how do you position yourself as an expert? If you do that, I think it's a lot easier to stick with it. Well, and I agree with that. I think when we did ours, we we went the we went similarly, and and I think we we chose the word specialist. Yeah. Um, and and just disclaimer, depending on where you are, where you're listening <laughs> to this, you know, check check with your board, check yes, with whoever. 100%. Make sure that you're compliant with the words that you're using, right? Yep. Don't, don't call yourself an expert if it's going to violate, you know, Rico's rules or whoever whoever is governing you. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we're in, I think we're in seven or eight countries now with the podcast. So I always want to say that, you know, <laughs> hey, we don't, you know, we don't want to hold liability there, but yep. definitely check. And, and you're right, though, position yourself as that person that knows. What, what I loved about farming was was sort of the myth, the myth busters part of it, similarly to yourself, right? I mean, you come in. And you have this perception, right? And we all know who they are in your region, in your city, the guy on the billboard, right? Or, or in your neighborhood, or they, they, you know, they're drop, drop shipping you hundreds of flyers on a yearly basis, and you see their face everywhere. And they, they've got mind share. And that's certainly one way to farm as well. But the reality was that when we did it is no one had a stranglehold yep. of any neighborhood. 
And it was mind blowing to see, right? I mean, you'd go into the, the most popular neighborhood with the biggest turnover rate and you see these guys signs all the time. And you think, oh man, they must have all the listings. And then you actually do the data and it's like, oh, this guy only has like 5% of the neighborhood. It's a very low number. <laughs> Exactly. And, and I think a lot of agents self-destruct themselves or stop them from doing it. They think, I can't farm this area. I can't do farming. There's a, someone in my area that's an expert. And in reality, in most cases, in most areas, there isn't anyone farming it at a high level. There are agents who do well. There's always agents who do a, just by sheer volume of business they do as a whole, they're going to do a fair amount of market share in each neighborhood because of the volume of business they do. But are they actually targeting it? Are they actually farming it? Are they actually becoming a specialist? You'll find in almost every neighborhood, there's not. There are some, and but like you said, that the, the percentages of market share aren't as high. Again, I share this story all the time. There's a, a team here that when they got started, started on a, a small area. And when you say that area, people think of that team. And I'm not going to say the team, but when you when you say that name, you, it's very synonymous with that area and that team, and, and it goes together. And then I've I've questioned agents, and I say, well, how much market share do you think they have? Like, how many how many deals do you think they're doing? And without fail, agents, wow, 30%, 40%, 50%. Every time. Yeah, and it's 13.5%. So literally, they have just over 10% market share. One out of 10 homes, or still nine out of 10 homes, or eight out of 10 homes that you could be getting and grow that, that your name in there. So it doesn't take a whole lot of market share to become that dominant player. But on the flip side, a lot of agents think, well, if I get a few deals, then that's all I need to do to, to, to ride the, the coattails. You have to double down and keep oh, all the time. And I, I love that you said that, right? I mean, it's even if you've got 15% of a neighborhood, I think agents really don't understand sort of the, the Pareto principle, right? That 80, 20 rule is probably even closer to 90, 10, I think in real estate yeah. where, you know, 90% of the business is being done by 10% of the realtors. Yeah. That's why you see them a lot. Exactly. <laughs> we just do more volume than everybody else does yeah. just the way it's set up. But that doesn't mean there's not an opportunity to take, right? And, and so there's always an opportunity to do more business. There's always an opportunity and there's more business for everyone. And, and, I think not falling into that trap is part of that mindset game as well, where, you know, I remember, like I said, when I set out to do it, I was like, there's no way this is going to work. <laughs> right. And, you know, speaking of where you, you know, where you live, the first time I did it, I did it where I lived. The second time I did it, I moved and I did it again where I lived. And the second outcome was not as good as the first. <laughs> um, and, and so I would agree with you on, being very careful about where you choose your farm. You know, you mentioned price point and turnover rate and things like that. But, you know, the piece I think that no one mentions, and I always mention it to people is, you know, be careful of your neighbors. And, and this is, this is my personal story because I, I, I listed a home seven or eight doors from, from mine. So, so they were at the, the front of the street coming in and it was a crescent. So two ways in, and, and I always took their way in and I listed the home from, you know, walking the dogs and, and seeing the neighbors all the time and being a part of the community and effectively farming it in a, in a different way. And gentleman was great. Him and his wife, they called me up. They said, we want you to list the house. I, you know, go in, do my consult and everything. And we list it. Well, we get to the pricing and I, you know, I'm a younger agent at the time and we get to the pricing and kind of say, okay, well, you know, we'll try it your way and then we'll, we'll go to my way and never do that again. Um, <laughs> but, you know, didn't know what I know now. And, and so, you know, didn't, wasn't as strong and let them price it. And it, 
it didn't sell for the first couple of weeks and it was it was just a different market so for anyone listening the market you're in today did not exist at all times. <laughs> yeah. there was a point in canada that we lived in a buyer's market yeah. and and buyers had all the had all the power and that was one that's what we were in we we're in a buyer's market at the time and um i'll never forget i i, I came home and within 30 seconds of being in the door, I got a text message from this client and he said, Hey, how was your day? I was like, Oh, this is really nice. Hey, my day is good. How was your day? And he goes, great. Would be better if you sold my house. And I went, okay, I'm going to try. Yeah. Yeah. Working on it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he goes, um, he goes, I noticed that you're home a little early today. Um, shouldn't you be out trying to find a buyer for my home? I was like, man, it's six o'clock. I've done my duty. You know, I've made my calls. I did all the things I needed to do. And your price is too high. <laughs> but here I am in this very awkward scenario with this client, seven doors down from my place. And he's literally now starting to watch my movements. Yeah. So I started coming out on the other way of the street. I started parking <laughs> in the garage. I started, you know, you know, walking by. Is he home? Okay, I'm going to go the other way. Yeah started doing all these creative things to not have to run into him and i think if anyone's gonna farm their neighborhood they just need to know that and hear that hey you might get yep. that crazy person that is going to harass you um so be careful if you're farming where yeah. you live. that that's a yeah it's a great point because i i share that all the time with agents that you can't be emotionally attached to your farm you have to be systematic and business minded when it comes to your farm and people think, well, I live here. I know people and that's great. And that can be one of the deciding factors because depending on the connections you've got, if you're involved in the schools or if you, people know who you are, but for a lot of agents, they don't want to be that celebrity. They don't want to be known. They want to be able to walk their dog in peace and not have people stare at them and recognize they're from the, the, the signs and stuff. So for some agents, it's important to them to have that privacy and there's nothing wrong with that. And if, if you want to be able to, to run a business and, step away from it. That's a different thing too. Also, if you brand yourself as the person who lives in the neighborhood, if you ever decide to move, now you're not that person. So now you've built your brand about being the person who's involved in the community. And now you, you can't leverage that. So I, I always caution people, not saying that you shouldn't, it's just it's it's one thing to consider when you're trying to choose. Well, absolutely. I mean, you, you farm your neighborhood, you decide to have a party one weekend and you know, yeah gets wild and now you're the the yeah. realtor who's having parties yeah. down the road and nobody's exactly. yeah. so, so you're right i think i think you got to take a lot of factors in the in a perception here when you look at at price point i mean we'll, we'll kind of chunk through it is there a specific price point you're targeting and and is there a reason that you would target that that price point so me personally i have my own what i like to go after i think again, it depends on each person and, and the, the, the whole scope of it. And there's pros and cons to both. I was talking about the high point and the low point. On the low point, there's going to be more, on the low price point, there's going to be more buyers. There's more chance for you to get into the, to the market share and, and actually get business from it. On the high price point, there tends to be more competition. More agents are trying to fight for that luxury market, trying to take that piece of it because they think the commissions are higher. I like to go after that average price point and just below. My, my favorite is that move up house price point so it's not the condo or the the first home it's that usually that second home people buy because at that price point usually you find people are either moving up to a larger home or they're maybe retiring so you can potentially get two ends it's not that it's not generally the first time buyer's market price point so it's that just below average price point is, is what i like to look for right Right. Okay. And, and what do you find, I mean, going, going after that, what do you find is, is sort of best 
um, with that. So, so I heard, you know, movement, um, it's moving quickly and not everyone's targeting yep. it. Um, what are you using to sort of determine that just, just MLS data or anything? Yeah. And then also seeing what's out there. I think another thing that's important to look at as well is the variety of homes in the neighborhood. And I, I like to find an area that has different price points in that neighborhood. Right. For example, when I was, when I moved here and I was trying to find a farm, I was looking at an area that on paper looked great, great price points, but then you look they were all executive homes. Well, then you usually only get one deal in that area because usually they're buying into the neighborhood. They're staying there for their, X amount of time and then they're leaving because there isn't chance for people to move up and move down. So I like to find areas that have entry level price points that have condos, townhomes, small detached, large detached. So there's going to be some more fluidity with it within that. And people are looking at it. They go to the school, the kids go to school there and they, they bought their first place and now they need to stay there because their kid goes to that school. So they want to move up. So for me, it's important to see a, a more balanced um, mix that's in there. But again, if you you could farm just condo buildings and just say, okay, I'm going to farm this condo and that's all I'm going to do. That's totally fine. And you could say, hey, I'm going to farm luxury. I'm going to farm entry level. There was an agent I used to work with in Oshawa and he was like the king of crappy homes. Like he was the king of South Oshawa. I won't say his name, but I'm sure if he's listening, he, he knows who he is. And he just crushed it in those like entry level buyer price points that houses need work, but he just moved them. Like there's no tomorrow. You just selling them, selling them, selling them, selling them, selling them. So for him, that was a great market. Then you get on the other side where it's like, takes a year, two years, three years to sell a home in the luxury market. So there's, yeah, there's no right or wrong. I think. No, I get that. And, and I think maybe it, maybe it tied to the goal, right? Like what is yeah. it you're trying to do? Exactly. Right. Exactly. And then, and then kind of work it backwards and, yeah. and, but I, but I agree with you, right? I, I like the idea of of having sort of everything in one, right? So I can I can put you in in an entry level home, and then we know that every seven years or so, five to seven years, you're going to want to make a move. Yeah. So I can walk you through um, over the next twenty one, you know, thirty years, so to speak, yeah. from that entry level home into that forever home, yeah. uh, you know, and then maybe you get you get the kids and, and the grandkids kind of on your business for. So I'm for me, I'm a firm believer that real estate as a whole is built for everybody. And there's 101 ways to do this business. There's no right or wrong. And any agent that says this is the best way or the only way to, to sell real estate is lying to you because personalities are different. What people want out of it are different. And I'll go back and then I'll come back to the story. So I'll, I'll tie yeah. it together. Um, if you look at a lawyer, a lawyer has a very clear path on how to be a lawyer and generally attracts a certain type of person. A teacher has a very clear path, attracts a certain type of person. A doctor has a very clear path and attracts a certain type of person. With real estate, you have people that are 18, you have people that are 80 getting into it. You have people who have no sales experience, you have people who have marketing experience, you have people who are retired, you have people who are doing it part-time, you have people who are doing wanting to build teams. So because of that, there's such a variety of, of personality in, in the business and goals. So it's great because there's a bunch of different ways you can do the business. But then what happens is sometimes agents get hung up on, well, I started at a, at a, at a brokerage and they told me I should go cold call. And then that doesn't go back to their energy budget. That doesn't match with what they like or what they're good at or what, what they're going to enjoy. So when it comes to a farm, I think it's important to build strategies that are going to match with what you enjoy and that you're actually going to stick with. So if you're a social person, in the disc profile, if you're an I and you like to get out and you doing community events, getting involved in, in charities and getting involved in the school, build your farm around that. If you're a high D getting out and cold calling, door knocking, doing those things will be good for you. If you're an, an S then it's 
a little harder sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a C, it's okay. I'm going to be the numbers guy. I'm going to be the, the, the number cruncher expert. And I'm going to know more about what's happening in that community than anyone else. So you can build your farm to match your personality and the things you like and the things that you're good at. Got it. Got it. No, I, 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 that's a really great tip. I, I don't know that I even thought about it that way either. I mean, it's, there is no, there's no ceiling to it. There's no limitations to it. You can literally build out your farm in any way, shape or yeah. form that, that you see fit exactly. that matches, you know, personality types, where you want to live, what your goals are, what your business standards are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. And that's why I like it. So I, I think I, I, I teach strategy stacking and it's basically layering your strategies together that overlap and work together so that you can build the best set of strategies that are going to match what you like and what's going to match your farm. If I just do cold calling or just say I, I'll use door knocking and open houses, there's a lot of agents who those are their main pillars of business. Well, COVID comes along and completely wipes out your door knocking or completely wipes out your open house business. Because of that, if you just put your eggs in one pillar or in one basket as, as a pillar of business, it's tough to really shift and pivot sometimes when, right. when it comes to a farm you can add in all different strategies you can i can do cold calling i can do for sale by owners i can do door knocking i can do open houses i can do networking i can do all these things and layer it in one area and actually compound those, those effects and that's why i like farming. got it got it got it well and and so you know one of the things i think i think is important about farming and, and correct me if i'm wrong right I, i'm definitely not the expert on farming i've had some really good success with it but you know i look at you know and, and there's obviously a number of different ways to farm but I, I think when you get into farming i think you've got to make peace with that you're going to be doing a lot of different strategies yeah. there's, there's not just one exactly thing that you can do you're going to have to incorporate a little bit of everything yep. in order to, to make that really efficient would you agree with that 100 and that's that's the exciting part about it and for some people, it's the overwhelming part because they go, okay, I'm, I, I'm great at cold calling, but then that's not enough in a farm. So then you have to add in those layers. But when you add in those layers, it makes it easier in the long run. You start reaching more people. So I, I'll share this. I, I developed a, a system that I call the scope method. Okay. So it's, I think it's the best way to have the most balance in your business. And I think even if it's not just farming in your regular business as a whole. So it's S is self-promotion. C is community, O is online, P is prospecting, and E is education. So when you look at your strategies as a whole, you need to have a balance within those. You need to have a balance of self-promotion. You need to have a balance of community involvement. You need to have a balance of online presence. You need to have a balance of uh, prospecting and, and an education. So when you create your systems, you go, okay, how do I build my farm with those ideas in mind? And then how can I get them to tie together? And if I can get them to tie together, it makes it easier. You can then leverage off of each other. So I could have a newsletter that's education-based, but tie in community events. I could then prospect within that. I could be asking if anyone's looking to buy or sell. I could self-promote. I can let people know who I am. I can do some links to online. So you can create strategies that tie into all five of those and create a more balanced approach. But you have to think, how can I tie this together? And for some agents, they struggle and they go, well, all I know how to do is door knock or all I know how to do is cold call. So for some agents, it's, it's overwhelming going, oh, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of moving parts. But for other agents like myself, I thrive in that. I go, man, look at all the opportunities. Look at all the different things you could, you could put together to make this work. And that excites me. Well, and, and I think as a realtor, I mean, that should in theory help with some of that fatigue we go through, right? Where we're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Definition yep. 
insanity. Whereas this allows you, you know, if you're that squirrel type agent where you need a hundred things or you start to, you know, look for the next thing, farming might be the thing for you because exactly. you can do all those squirrel behaviors exactly. in one place exactly, and they all lead you to a goal, right? That's so, why I love it. That's why I got into it because that was exactly for me. It was that I like coming up with new things and trying new strategies and things. And it's like, okay, well, how can I do that and make it work and compound? Right. Farming works. That's okay. a great, great way to, to leverage it. So, so I love that. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure by now people are kind of going, okay, well, so how do I get started? Right. Like what's the first thing you're doing if you're tackling a farm or, or looking into one? Yeah. I think the first thing to do is select the right farm, but to do that, you need to know your budget and you need to come up with what strategies you want to do. Now it's, it's can go either way. And that you may do this strategy in this neighborhood and these strategies in this neighborhood. So always budget is my first starting point and say, okay, what budget do I have? And then I can work out choosing the farm. If I'm going to commit to X amount of dollars, X amount of time, now I can find the right farm. Choosing the farm, in my opinion, is one of the most critical things. But I think that also is what holds back most agents from starting. They use that as an excuse. They get into the analysis paralysis and they go, well, I'm just, I'm waiting to find the perfect farm. I'm waiting to find the perfect area. And it's like, just start, get out there. I've had some people that I've been following up with for the last year that are for coaching and they're, well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not, I'm going to farm this year. It's like, okay, but every year you wait is, or every six months you wait is, is, take that much longer yeah so it's choose an area and then commit to it know that you can adapt know that you can grow know that you can shift and realize you can you can expand you can change areas if you need to but just getting started so i think the key thing is choosing the right area that you're going to be comfortable with choosing an area that's going to match with what you want to accomplish and then committing like hell to it and just go okay i'm gonna i'm gonna double down on this and, and really stick with it now, when you look at, you know, I, I get asked this one quite a bit. So, so what's your ideal turnover rate? Do you have one? And is there, is there like a number that you won't go below? <laughs> so it's a great question. And that's, I, I, I talk about that in one of my training sessions about myth busting with farming. That, that is one of the most common myths that people pass down is that focus on the, on the turnover rate. Right. And I always say that is a number that is important, but it's not the number or the only number. I use the example all the time is that's like saying, what's my uh, blood pressure? Am I healthy based on my blood pressure? Well, how's your blood sugar level? How's your heart rate? How's your cardiovascular levels? How's your weight overall? How's your diet? Turnover rate is an important number to measure, but it's not the only one. You could pick a great area that has a low turnover rate, but has a number of other things that are, that it's got going for it. Or you could have an area that's got nothing going for it and has a high turnover rate and you're not going to get good business. So to answer the question, because I don't want to dance around it, um, I would say below 4% is low. Okay. I'd say 3.5% is low. That being said, I've had coached people like one of my clients, Rob, he picked an area that was 3.5% turnover rate, but the future of that neighborhood was changing. There's a right. lot of people coming with new infill development, tearing down these old bungalows that have been there since the 40s and 50s and building up. So he knew he was committing to the long run that that was going to change. Right. Then you go to an area like when I started my farm and I picked an area that had a high turnover rate, but what I didn't know, cause I was new this is before I picked my successful farm. Um, it was in an area that had a dominant player. There was a lot of immigration. And so language was a, was a, a barrier for, for them and myself right. culturally, not on the same uh, cultural, like just language. And it was a total different thing. So on paper turnover rates, great, but it didn't match 
with what I wanted to do and, and how I want to do it. Um, so most like if, if you look across Canada, the, the average in Canada is about 4% across the board. That's including all the areas. If you live in the middle of nowhere, you're basically your turnover rate is going to be your turnover rate. So if you yep. live in the area, no one's moving, no one's coming and going in your area, then don't get hung up on, well, it has to be a 7% turnover rate because Ryan said 7% turnover rate is good. If no one's moving in your area, that's the reality of it. If you're in an area that on average is seven and you're focusing on an area that's three, then maybe that's not a good area. In the past, a lot of trainers taught people to look for 10% turnover rates. There are very few people or pl sorry, places that have a 10% turnover rate and consistently have a 10% turnover rate. Right. You may have a, uh, usually it's a new development after two years, two, three years, people are starting to sell off. They, they bought it as an investment and they're selling it off. So you have a spike. Or if you're in an area that's like military where there's a lot of turnover or cottage country where people are buying and selling. But I'd say for most people, look between five and 8% is a good is a good turnover rate. And, but don't get too hung up on it. I think when, when we were doing it and when I was targeting, I think I looked at seven. That was kind of my, my magic number was, was seven. Was as long as I had that, I, I felt okay yep. about it. Um, you're right. 10, I don't know anywhere that's got a 10% trip. Yeah. That's sustainable, right? Where, where that yeah. much of it turns over. And, and like you said, you know, you can go down into the three, 4% range. Um, I think going under that's probably a little risky. Yes. But, um, yeah. You know, you can go. But if that's the market you're in. If that's your only, and then that is what it is. And that's your, yeah, that's your option, right? It's just, you just then know it, maybe it's not a 12 month game. It's a 24. Exactly. Right. And, and I know a lot of, a lot of the, the players that you've had on your show as well. Um, and for anyone listening, know that, know that Ryan's got his own show as well called launch the farm. You guys are going to want to check that out as well. And that was one of the things we talked about is, is, you know what, don't commit to, don't commit to one year, commit to two right? Figure, figure that, figure that out, right? Yeah. Figure out, you know, if I get one listing out of this in a year, am I willing to reinvest it all back in yeah. into, into the following year? And don't be like me, right? Don't give up. <laughs> Is Where would I be today with that farm if I just yeah. stuck with it? And I, I think that's one of the things I've always, I won't say regretted, but, but sort of have regretted. And um, I still take, I still take deals there. I still do a lot of business there just from that leftover. Yeah. From, from all those years and you know now they're in the touch program and they're part of other things that we do yep. um but that that information was generated through that through that farm yep. so so you know now you've got your area you've kind of laid it out what are you kind of doing next like are you are you putting a plan together are you just dropping flyers you door knocking where do you take it next so perfect you mentioned that so i i'm on a mission to bust the myth that farming is postcards and door knocking. That is the, when people, when people hear door knocking or when people hear farming, that's what pops in their mind is postcards and door knocking. I, again, I would say that's an element of farming, but it's not the element of farming. And that's where, when you, when you hear the numbers like, oh, it takes six to 18 months before you see your first deal. And it takes a long time to build trust. And it takes, it's, it's, you got to commit to before you even get a deal. If you're doing old school postcards and door knocking, it can take a lot longer. There are strategies that you can put in place to speed that up. There are strategies you can put in place to position you as that expert a lot quicker. And the reality is those strategies still work, the, the, the postcards and door knocking, but the effectiveness is, is, is starting to go down. And I've, I've trained a lot of agents and agents who've been around 20, 30 years who said, wow, but work, what worked 20 years ago isn't working now. And that's the reality is you have to be implementing new systems. Right. So the fundamentals of farming are the same. You still have to communicate with people. You have to create value to them and you have to position yourself as the go-to person. What strategies you use 
It's going to depend on how you do it. So you need to come up with a plan that you're going to be able to commit with, commit to and stick with, and you need to communicate with. So I, I talk about this all the time. Most farming in the past was communicating at, so it's, they're talking at their audience and it's pushing their message out that I'm great. I'm a good agent. I sell a lot of homes and they're pushing their message out to the, to the audience to get the most out of farming. You need to create a community. You need to create a, a conversation within that community and have the, that open dialogue with, with your marketing, with your message. And the agents who have done the best are the ones who get involved in the community. The agents that I've interviewed who have really crushed it in their farm have made the community the center of their business and not their business, the center of the community. So it's put the community first and then go, okay, how do I provide value to these people? How do I enhance their life? How do I make this better for them? How do I be the, the ambassador for the community and not just be an agent who's trying to get my message out there? And if you can shape it that way, people will embrace you as that community ambassador. They'll want to work with you because they know you care about the community. They know that you're giving back. They're seeing you that the self-promotion gets taken care of easily because they see you're out and about and you're doing things and you're, you're giving back to the community and not just having to spend a bunch of money to tell people that you're an agent. Interesting. So. Very, very interesting. So, so really, I mean, when, when you're looking at it and, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, one of my <laughs> myths was that you had to have sort of that old school feel to it. Um, I was actually going to make that comment that, you know, in this tech world, it's really nice to see that people are going that way, but you're saying sort of, leverage what's available to you today yeah. don't have to fall back into that that old thing but it's it's really you can and you can be i was on a, a panel uh, last year and there's three agents that were discussing it, and there was jackie who was the youngest of us who was doing old school she was doing postcards her audience was an older demographic so she was focusing on rural areas she's in, in northumberland and she's crushing it and she's doing postcards and it works. Then there was me who's in between where I'm doing some online, some old school. So I was doing reports and, and doing some postcards and doing some door knocking, but doing online things. And then I had Matt Santagapita from London, who was the complete opposite. He's the oldest of us doing the most high tech. And Jackie was the youngest doing the, the least high tech. And we were all succeeding. And then we were all, we had a system that works. So there's, again, I, I hate saying there's no right or wrong way. It's what are you going to commit to? I like that hybrid where you can make it work. You can still have that old school technique. You can still use postcards, but with the right message, with the right approach. And I, I always use the example. Um, it costs the same amount to send a postcard with the right message as it does as the wrong message. It's the same amount of energy to door knock with the right approach as the wrong approach. It's the same amount of energy to be at an open house with the right approach versus the wrong approach. So it's not what you're doing. Or it's, it's not the strategy you're doing. It's how you're doing the strategy that, that makes a difference. And, and you know, I, I again love love the like so many so many powerful moments. I got I got so many notes, and thank you for sharing. Um, I, I like the sort of hybrid role myself, right? That's sort of where I think I functioned was a little bit of both. You had to have some online component. You had to have some of that that tech feel to it, and, and leveraging the tools. But then I always felt you know face to face, belly to belly was always the the number one way to close, right? So you know rather than than you know when we did the reports. I always made sure that I met you at least for yep. the first report, yep. you know, from there, I, I give you the choice. I can email it. You can go online and get it, or I can drop it off for you. But the yep. very first one, I always met you. And, and I found that was a part of my success is I'd meet you, I'd shake your hand. Well, when we could shake hands and we do that stuff. Um, but I, I'd at least get to, to put a face to the name. And, and we had that, that at least immediate bond out of the gate. And then from there, I would, you know, I would then go back 
and I'd send you an email or a text message and I'd say, hey, um, I'm happy to drop these off or would you prefer a digital experience? And I'd give the client the choice. So I had both available and, and we would go that way. That, and that's what we did with our farm when we started. So we had a neighborhood report and we, we door knocked. That's how we started. So we did 3,600 homes. We door knocked the whole thing. We ended up getting 425 people on the report. We met them face to face and then we dropped it off. So we put ours into a binder. We had a, I don't have it here, but it was a, a white binder. We slipped in a, a cover on the top with a spine down. We, yeah. I got it from anyone who hears with Keller Williams. He's taken bold. I got the idea from bold where you add in and each week you come to bold, you add in your week's homework and then you bring the binder with you. So my idea was they get the binder, they hold onto the binder. And then each month we send them the updated report and then they keep the binder and they, they keep adding into the binder and then it, it becomes this living thing. And we, we did that and we did really well with it. That's how we got most of the business in the area. And then we sh shifted to digital because we got, it's like, there's only so many we can drop off and then how many hands can we go shake? And then it was like, well, let's go digital. The great thing is we ramped up and we ended up getting 1300 people on a digital report, but we weren't seeing face-to-face. -face. We weren't connecting with people and the, the un unsubscribe rate started dropping because people just don't care. They don't have a connection. So then it's like, okay, where's that balance? And you got to find that. So Rob, one of my coaching clients, when I helped him, he, he started the same thing where he, he would put them on for a year, hard copy, dropping them off or mailing them out and then shifting to a digital. Or if he knew they were going to move, he'd keep them on the hard copy. And that, that creates that value. Yeah. I think no matter what you do, you got to have that, that face-to-face, -face, yeah. right? You have to, at some point, get in front of the client, yeah. have a conversation or get on the phone with them and have a conversation. And, and if anyone's listening and thinking, I'm just going to farm and drop postcards, stop. Don't do it. It doesn't work. You have to have a connection. And, you know, one of, one of the fun experiments that I did when I started this um, before we, we closed for the day is um, I used to ask my clients in my farm to hang on to postcards for me. I want to know who my competition was. I want to know who the players were that were trying to take over as well and what it was going to look like. And in every single case that we did it, I would get these bags, these Zares bags, or <laughs> yeah. grocery bags of yeah. flyers. Um, and, and they'd be everybody, right? Everyone would send a flyer. And I'd, I'd always ask, out of this, you know, this 90-day huge stack of postcards, how many of them have come and knocked on your door and said hi? And almost every single time, it was zero. Yep, 100%. They, they just never did. And so, you know, if you're thinking, you know, I can't farm that area because there's this big agent and that big agent just keeps dropping flyer after flyer after flyer in my neighborhood, know that if you go knock on that door, you can beat that big agent yep. just by having a conversation. hundred percent. I totally agree with that. It's that face-to-face, -face, that connection will stand out. We got so many people saying like, wow, no one's ever done anything like this before. I've never met someone like this. Or they get someone who shows up at the door going, hi, you think about buying or selling? No. Okay. Never hear from them again. Never see them. They don't remember that person. They don't know who they are. I couldn't tell you the guy trying to sell me a hot water heater at my door because he didn't follow up. He showed up and tried to sell me a hot water heater. And that was it. It's the same with real estate. So you have to put in systems in place to continue that follow-up, to continue that relationship and growing it. I agree with that. Uh, Ryan, we're pretty well out of time. Um, I always ask, do you, do you have a mic drop moment? Is there something you wanted to deliver that we haven't delivered yet? I'll give you that opportunity now before we wrap up for the day here. Yeah, my, my last piece of advice would be to start small and scale up. It's way better to, to scale up, practice, test out what you're doing on a smaller scale when it comes to your farm and scale up. It looks a lot better to scale up than it does to scale back. And so many agents will start big, come out of the gate super hot, 
and then go, ah, crap. And then they start pulling back and then they're, they're missing the boat. So I'd rather see you do less homes more often than more homes left less often. That's, that's my, my biggest piece of advice. Love it. Love it. I appreciate you. And I appreciate you coming on the show and, and dropping some wisdom. I love to hear that farming is still a thing. I, I was wondering. <laughs> so that's incredible. Ryan, if we're looking to connect with you, if they're looking to track you down, what are the best ways, you know, is it come to the show, reach out yeah. on Instagram? How do we get a hold of you? So the best way to find me is through the website is launcherfarm.com. So you can find that on there. You can find the show on there. You can find some of the courses that I've got. Uh, the, the show you can find on YouTube, on Instagram and, and Facebook. It's at Launcher Farm. So Launcher Farm, you can find it. Type in Launcher Farm. You should find me if I've done my job right. You should be able to find me out there. Uh, connect with me on Facebook if you want. I'm happy to chat and, and you can see what we're up to. That's awesome. I, I appreciate you sharing so much. And again, guys, Ryan, launchyourfarm.com. Be sure to reach out. We are the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. You can find us on all major platforms. We're on Google, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts as well. Feel free to reach out. I can connect you with Ryan. And thank you so much for the valuable information. It, guys, just do something. Start yeah, exactly. in an area and, and get going. I mean, we talk about it all the time. You know, don't have that analysis paralysis. You have to actually start doing it. So yeah. this has been great. And thank you for sharing. Ryan. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you.